Hello, viewers, and welcome back to This Week in Canada. This is episode 15, I believe. We're really still doing it because Canada is still around and we're having fun doing it. And as always, my name's Roberto Wakerel Cruz, and with me is Nico Johnson. Nico! Hello. So I, I waved to everyone there, but I realized that it, this works by sound, so you wouldn't be able to see me. But don't worry. I'm very happy to be here. We've got a good episode ahead for you, I think. Uh, you know, yep. Bobby's on fire. I, I've been listening to him before the camera sort of started recording. And boy, is he raring to go. So Yeah, I, I'm well rested. <laughs> I'm well rested. I feel good. I'm happy you're here. Nico, uh, we thought he was going to be leaving this week. We don't know what's really going on still. Still a little bit, a bit of a toss-up. But let's just yeah. go and start the episode. And let's you know just do a transition here to start off. Well, that I love those transitions so much. I love transitioning. All right. So <laughs> we had a big news story this week, and it involves Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. As we all know, Justin Trudeau. Uh, is in a bit of a weird situation. He prorogued Parliament, which is not something that everyone was a fan of, and uh, he's going to be delivering a throne speech. So, uh, what, what's going on there exactly? Well, say so this throne speech. Um, now we have to realize that this is politics, and it's pretty cynical. And in particular, we have the most cynical party, political party in Western politics, who is currently forming the government of Canada. And what was happening? is that they were getting brutalized in the poll, like a, like Bardish Chagard uh, with, with Pierre Polyev, just getting totally sort of slapped up, uh, metaphorically. And, uh, <laughs> and so they needed to get this media attention gone. So what are they going to do? Like, how can they stop the media from covering this? How can they stop the constant pressure, the constant insight into their dodgy government? Well, they prorogued Parliament. And as you may be aware by now, that means they shut down the committees, they shut down the legislative, you know, body of parliament itself, so you don't have debates in the House of Commons. And, but, but the committees were the important thing, because it means that everyone was essentially barred for about a month from looking further into the WE charity investigation. Now, Justin Trudeau's official story is that we need to rebuild Canada, and I quote, rebuild Canada. And he views himself, I think, a bit like a sort of a, a Roosevelt with a new deal. And he wants to sort of install this green new deal. And from what it sounds, and again, it's, it's remarkable. Even liberals in his government have come out off the record and say, I'm really worried about this. Like, uh, this is going to be generational debt, intergenerational debt. It's going to really hurt people. It's going to wipe out Alberta's, uh, you know, oil economy and, and energy sector. And it's quite ideological as well. But no one, not much has been leaked as to what is actually going to be in this throne speech. But I imagine that Trudeau is planning for a government. He realizes that O'Toole is pretty popular and is a more formidable leader than Andrew Scheer ever was. And so his plan, again, being extremely cynical, is firstly to force the Conservatives to provoke them into calling an election because of this right. ridiculous ideological throne speech. And secondly, it means if they are forced into election, they can sell it, well, Aaron O'Toole wants to, wants to stop me giving you $1,000 every month. So which is, it, it's a pretty tough place for the Tories. Yeah, right, exactly. Which is one of the 
few bits of information that uh, the media has received. You've seen a few articles floating out the idea that Justin Trudeau is starting to think about putting uh, universal basic income as like a cornerstone of his uh, throne speech, which if true, if for those who don't know, uh, universal basic income would be a guaranteed sum of money every month for every person over the age of 18. Uh, traditionally, that's the definition. We don't know if it'd be families or households with this potential mm -hmm. universal basic income. Uh, and that's exactly right. As I was explaining to, uh, Libby, our American friend at, uh, the post millennial, she was asking if Trudeau actually did want an election or because Trudeau has continually said now, uh, I don't want an election. He said it twice. I have no intention of having an election. And basically what he's going to do, he's going to put out some insane ideas like universal basic income. Damning like ideas. Yeah, ideas really that would hurt ideas. the country. So that actually the conservatives cannot in good conscience vote for this throne speech to go forward because they think it would damage the country and that would be good for the liberals. So the liberals are either going to pull out some really ideological shits here that's going to, you know, give people $30,000 worth of debt as soon as they're born or we're going to be forced into an election where the liberals can say, well, the conservatives forced us into this. It makes me pretty angry. Yeah. So here's my question. Are the liberals just really good liars or is the Canadian public uh, just gullible and doesn't pay attention? Because I think it's probably more the second one. When I listen to the Trudeau liberals, Trudeau talk, I don't really buy anything that he's putting down. I don't think a lot of people do. I think less people do now than when he got into office. But it seems like overall people don't seem to really mind. I mean, I would never slander the great Canadian public, as Roberto just did there. I have a deep respect for every single Canadian from Pacific to the Atlantic, from the Arctic Ocean all the way to uh, Saskatchewan. I love Canadians. But, and, and I, I think the problem then is not with Canadians, although I do think there is some apathy with Canadians in politics, but I think it comes from a wet, wet media who just can't be bothered, who have gorged themselves on media subsidies like your fat uncle at Thanksgiving. And so they just can't even lift the finger to scrutinize anything that the government does. And it, it's pretty damaging. I, I, I don't know what the end result is here. Hopefully, Aaron O'Toole, the new conservative leader, can market himself as sort of the adult in the room. He's right. the, the, you know, daddy's coming back into the household and no, you can't have the hot tub. And no, we're in, you know, we've got $100,000 worth of debt and we're taking out the heated floors. Quite and perhaps if he sells it like that, probably in slightly better terms, maybe people will understand that. The trick is about making debt, making economic suffering, which will surely come about from Trudeau's policies, an emotional thing. This is going to affect your kids. This is going to affect me. It's going to affect your ability to get a job. It's going to affect your employer. It's going to affect your employees. And if they do that, then hopefully we can kick this man-child out of office. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. And maybe I was a little too tough on the Canadian public. Yeah, you know, <laughs> when you're a part of something, you can criticize it with a little more ease. You, who, where the, who even knows where you're from? South, <laughs> South Africa or something? I don't even know what that accent is. Uh, so I, maybe I, just because I know so many Canadians, I tend to kind of know what the general mood in the room is. But I will say you brought up a good point. 
the media in this country is very bad. Uh, it has a pretty clear slant, but not so much that people on the far left can say that they are on their side, right? It's kind of like this cool thing that... Well, it's just a liberal bias. Do. Like, uh, it's, it's a liberal yeah. party liberal. bias. Like, it's a yeah. liberal, like, the party bias. Like, even, I think, yesterday or two days ago, uh, we're not going to get too deep into this because I, I, I don't... But it was... Um, the CBC ran an article that found that nine high-ranking liberal party members had broken the Conflict of Interest Act. Mario Dion said that they had broken the Conflict of Interest Act when they met with a former U.S. ambassador. And the way that the CBC framed this story was nine true, like nine liberal uh, ministers barred from meeting with U.S. ambassador for one year. And it's like, that headline doesn't really actually tell me much about what happened. When the, when the ethics commissioner is saying that these people, you know, broke the, the conflict of interest. Well, acts. That's more, that's a little more heavy than what the CBC is putting out there. Just the for CBC example. almost put out, I, I would actually disagree with you that I, I read about this. The person who was in the wrong was U S ambassador. You know, don't get me wrong. I despise liberals. I actually prefer like Marxist to liberals. Um, uh, but, but anyway, where was I? Right. But it, it was the US, ex-US ambassador and he was offering pro bono assistance yeah. a year before he was allowed to. So he like he's still if you leave political office, you can't negotiate with the government um, for like for any reason until like for a year, essentially. And he didn't do that because he was offering COVID assistance. I, I don't think this is a big story. And I think conservatives need to be careful. I mean, we have a corrupt government on our hands. We have a bad government on their hands. They, they don't know how to run the country. They can't do basic things like stand up to the most hostile country we've seen since the Soviet Union. They can't properly fight this pandemic. They, they don't understand how economics works. But if you want to call them corrupt, use actual cases of corruption. Don't just jump on everything because it dilutes your arguments, I think. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But you did bring up something that we wanted to talk about, and we'll do a nice transition here. We're talking about China, baby. Let's go to Chinatown. China. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. What a good transition, wasn't that good? Nice transition. So last night, I was, uh, I had my bath, and I was reading, and I got tired of reading, but I couldn't get to sleep, and this was like 2 in the morning or something. So, again, I was just reading through articles that occurred this week in preparation for the show. And I read this Glover Mail article, which was written by Bob Five, who's one of Canada's most prestigious journalists. And it detailed that Huawei, the Chinese telecom giant, had a list of people they think were assets. Now, let's be clear. They weren't working with Huawei, but Huawei considers them friendlier than most to the cause to keep Huawei in the country. So that's really important. And I was reading through this, like, oh, that's interesting. It'll, it'll be cool to see who's on this list. And there are some people like Jean Charest, who nearly ran in the Conservative leadership. He's the ex-Quebec Premier. So, oh, that's a bit weird. There were some, you know, professors. But buried in the article, and I can't believe he didn't run with his headline. And I can't believe this hasn't been picked up by anyone. And, and again, it, it, it shows the total, just uh, the state of Canadian media that this wasn't a story for at least two days, was that a guy who's a professor who Huawei considers to be an asset, to be helpful, to be someone they can use to help them stay in Canada, was on leave 
to advise the foreign minister of Canada, Francois-Philippe Champagne, Trudeau's foreign minister. And it's not just advising. This guy who, again, let me make this clear, Huawei thinks is an asset, the Chinese state-owned company thinks this guy's an asset, is advising Canada's foreign minister on Asian matters. <laughs> and it's just, it's, how, how do they get away with this? So Why this is, this- is the thing. Let's, let's provide some context for our uh, viewers about who this guy is if they don't know already. Because if you think this is a one-off instance with Fran, uh, sorry, was it Francois Philippe? Francois Philippe. Sorry, yeah. I sometimes I get the the Quebecois names mixed up. Uh, with Francois Philippe Champagne, you think this is a one-time thing? This is like the sixth major instance of him clearly having some involvement with China. And let me just list my favorite ones. Uh, for one, the Bank of Canada thing, or the Bank of China thing. It wouldn't have that been a scandal funny. if it was the Bank of Canada. <laughs> it was the Bank of China when it found out that he had he owed the Bank of China $1.2 million on a loan yeah. that he received, which it, which he got when he was in London. Uh, yeah, so, so that's dodgy to begin with. You know, who chooses, like, it's the Bank of China, that's weird. But then it's like, oh, well, it's the only bank which would offer me this loan. They are something like, the t- I think, the 50th largest mortgage dealer in london <laughs> say the top 49 banks he was like no nah, I, I don't want that they're not offering me good deals i went to the 50th it's it's so strange to be fair to him i guess once he started getting all the shit for it he did pay it back i guess yeah i don't know still I mean, kind of thanks. damage done <laughs> yeah thank thank you nice good to know you don't own a hostile government which, by the way, it is the government of China. They don't just have banks. Yeah. <laughs> My other favorite one is uh, uh, an instance that happened. I think it was in virtual parliament, but it might have been in real life parliament back in the good old days when um, he was asked to thank Taiwan for their con- like for their contribution in masks. Um, yeah. So Taiwan had donated something like. I can't remember if it was 50,000, 50, 40, 45,000 masks to Canada. And <laughs> the conservatives had asked uh, Francois-Philippe Champagne to directly thank Taiwan for the contribution. Now, the conservatives know they're not going to do that because <laughs> the, the liberals are so afraid of China. They wouldn't that have even asked ag- if they knew he was going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Acknowledging a country of like, how many people are in Taiwan? Like 30 million, maybe 40 million. I, I'm not, that's a guess. Yeah. But, Anyway, what he ended up saying instead of thanking Taiwan is, you know, we have to be clear that we want to thank all countries. More recently, Taiwan donated half a million surgical masks to Canada. And yet here we are two weeks later and the minister has yet to personally thank Taiwan for its generosity. Will the minister now thank this free and democratic country for its generous gift to Canadians? The Honourable Minister. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to thank uh, my colleague for the question. Indeed, we are very grateful to every nation for helping Canada. This is a global pandemic which knows no border. Uh, We have been expressing our thanks to many nations who have contributed. We will continue to do so. It is important at a time of pandemic, Mr. Speaker, that we don't play politics, uh, that humanity comes together. I can say to my COVID foreign minister's call, uh, the world community has come together to make sure that we would and uh, make sure that supply chain would remain intact, that we would have transit up, that we would have air bridges. And we will continue, uh, Mr. Speaker, to work with every nation when it comes to health. This is a public good that we want to work together. We will with go everyone. back to Mr. Fast now. 
Well, Mr. Speaker, I didn't hear a thank you there. You walk out the door, you see someone that you know, and they ask you how you are, and you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> So did you just did you just all lives matter the mask thing? <laughs> did you just all countries did you just all countries matter Taiwan? Taiwan matters. All countries from Sierra Leone to North Korea. <laughs> yeah, his weird squeaky yeah. voice. Oh, not to go personal, but the guy weird. He is out. like five foot five. He's a small guy, and you know there's nothing wrong with being short. You know, I used to be short once, and then I grew. Um, but he 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 uh he's very small, and I think perhaps that's why he's uh you know if you went into a room with Vladimir Putin, you'd come in and find Francois Philippe Champagne on the floor. You know that it, it would be. He, I feel like he just gets bullied by foreign leaders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how tall do you think he is? Do you think he's a manlet? I actually don't know how. No, how... he's not like a. He's not like, you know, whatever that the medical word is for. A very short person. Uh, he is, but he, he's certainly like curiously short. Yeah, is how I would put it. It's like, oh, that's he's shorter than I thought he would be. <laughs> yeah, well, just putting it out there to our viewers: if you are a man and you're not at least five nine, just get out of here. <laughs> just joking, just joking. That's a joke. <laughs> five nine is good. Five eight, five seven, five six, not five five. No. But anyway. <laughs> so Nico, where does this go? Sorry to get we got a little sidetracked there. Yeah, but where yeah. does this go? Does this actually result in anything? Is this a story that anybody picks up or follows up on? Uh no. <laughs> that, it, that's the issue. No one's gonna pick up on it. I mean, to be fair, I, I don't know how serious it is. And, and again, I, I feel it's important for me to restate that the guy who is advising the foreign minister didn't know that Huawei thought this of him. He hasn't worked, I don't think, in any capacity with Huawei. But just Huawei considered him to be someone, like an ally, essentially. Right. Well, not even an ally, but someone who is slightly more easy to deal with than other Canadians who they could approach. Um, but the fact that he is advising the government and the fact that you keep having these instances... For instance, yeah. with Patty Hajdu, I think Patty Hajdu defended China again. This again, week. yeah, yeah, and and that caused like, and usually when she does that, at first no one really notices aside from Canadians. Then she did it for like a second time, and the, like the right wing press in America noticed it and thought, <laughs> look at Canada being stupid. And then the third time she did it, even left wing journalists in America were like, "What the hell is yeah. Canada up to? Why are they continuing to defend what is?" And what clearly is a hostile regime. And then, right. of course, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I just want to throw in there to keep, keep that in mind. But sure. my favorite one of those was when um, she called people that said that the virus, I can't remember exactly what it was, but she basically said that it was feeding into like right wing conspiracies yeah. to believe that, that China was lying about their numbers. And I that mean, was it, the it's one. It's a totally ideological government. They, they yeah. are unwilling to accept facts if it goes against that sort of you know that their policies of openness and all the right and that that instance by a bad baddie hairdo we call it bad hairdo uh that instance actually got the attention of <clears throat> a chinese propagandist uh, i don't know if you remember that but it was actually i can't remember his name i'm not going to try to remember it or else i'll get in trouble but it, it was basically this chinese literally like a like a, a chinese like media relations for the government like for the ccp said 
good good job like thank you patty like we are doing our best over here and we are doing really well and it was just like yeah of course they said that they own the meat like they're they're state media of china yeah Sorry, I, yeah think. it's so silly Go and it, even like liberals like I, I noticed there has been a change in the press in recent days a sort of a, a, the people are getting kind of tired of these antics these sort of unnecessary slip-ups and screw-ups yeah. And, it, you know, McLean started asking, why is Patty Hajdu the health minister to this day? Like, why is she the health minister? It just doesn't make sense. She keeps undermining the government at every step. Uh, but again, I, I don't think there's a solution. I think literally the only solution to this is voting these guys out. Because Trudeau doesn't have the guts to fire his yeah. ministers. I don't think Trudeau has fired any ministers apart from when they confront him and essentially force him to fire them. But he would never, ever fire a minister for incompetence. Otherwise, people like Mornay would have gone much earlier. Bill Blair? Bill Blair's an idiot. Just yeah, like, Bill Blair. Yeah, just a sweaty man. He needs to go, and he's still in government, which is bizarre. Patsy Hajdu should be... Patsy Hajdu shouldn't be a politician. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> uh, in this government, she's the fucking health minister, but whatever. So yeah, I, I, I vote them out is my is my uh, advice. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And also, just a shout out to someone else I don't like, just Seamus O'Regan. You know what? We yeah. didn't no no reason to really bring him up right now, but I just don't like him. <laughs> there's, there's so many people in the government I just don't like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, I, I like Mark Garner. I I, I don't know why. He yeah, why? he just seems like kind of a decent bloke. I think he's the minister of like Indigenous Affairs. But he's like quite a nice bloke. Those are just so wonderful. But I, really good. Are you guys getting bored of them, though? Do you want to see James make another one? Yeah. Put it in the comments. Leave a yeah. Put a hashtag. Make a new one in the comments if you if you're bored of those transitions. We James is going uh, to Quebec City or somewhere this weekend. Yeah. Um, so he let's, let, let's just make him work yeah. while he's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quebec city. Ew. He wants Ew. to go to Quebec city. All right. So hashtag make a new one down below. Make sure to leave a like, a subscription, hit that bell notification button. Uh, every Monday we have explained videos. Every Wednesday we have talking politics with Nico's replacement, Matthew Granger. I have yeah. to say the show's gotten way better now that Nico's not there. And leave a like and make sure you watch This Week in Canada. This has been another fun episode. Really quickly, though, before we say goodbye, we wanted to uh, keep in our prayers uh, the O'Tools. Um, who are getting coronavirus tests or something like that. They, they, they traveled with someone that had coronavirus. So we yeah. want to make sure that everything's good there. And also, we want to keep in our prayers the entirety of the Bloc Québécois, who also apparently have all caught coronavirus. And it's not funny, although it is... Boys. It makes some look, sense. Now's our time. Bring back Parliament. Build a throbbing pipeline over Quebec. Ban French, invade Montreal. Like, what, we've got 11 days left before their quarantine's over? Let's, let's get a move on. <laughs> That's it. That's the plan. Bring back Parliament, 
everyone from the block can't vote (laughs) (laughs) and put the pipeline down build the pipeline baby now's the time and just you know do whatever you want make them you know just do whatever you want to Quebec right now (laughs) all right guys anything else if we haven't pissed you off leave a like uh we'll see you next week thank you for watching everything we said is a joke all mistakes were intentional bye (laughs) bye